Welcome to Explorations of the Heart and Soul, guided meditations by Australian Zen teacher Andrew Tutel. Find out more at ordinarymind.com.au. Andrew's Zen teachings are made possible by donations from people like you. Vast is the robe of liberation, a formless field of benefaction. Wearing the universal teaching, I realize one true nature, thus harmonizing all beings. So good morning, everybody. Thank you for being here. And uh, just like to acknowledge the original custodians of the land we're sitting in, or I'm sitting on, the Gumbangya people and the elders past, present and emerging. So given this is the first uh, Tuesday morning guided meditation for this year, I thought I'd do a kind of simple revision and the talk is, the, the guided meditation is called Three Types of Zazen. So we'll just move through these three types of Zazen and we'll go through each one for about 10 minutes and then we'll just leave about 10 minutes at the end for silent contemplation. Um, I might leave a little, a lot, I might leave about five minutes at the end. After I ring the bell, we might leave about five minutes for questions if there's any questions. So we always start, first of all, with settling into our posture. Now, from my perspective, the most important thing about posture is that it basically supports the process of basically letting go and surrendering. So you want to cultivate a posture which frees you from preoccupation with the body that allows you to sit in relative stillness or lie in relative stillness and takes you to a place of deep relaxation. Promoting, taking us to a place that Dogen called letting go of body and mind. Just total surrender. Just make sure your, you know, your clothing's comfortable. It's not too tight around the waist. If you're sitting in a chair, it is good to have your feet flat on the ground. Or if you're sitting on a cushion, it's good to have your knees touching the ground. So you form a kind of triangle. The eyes can be closed or slightly open or fully open. So the first kind of Zazen 
is mindfulness of a mental object. This is the what you will uh, receive when you read about mindfulness in, in Buddhism in the Pali Sutras. The teaching of the mindfulness of the body and the mind. So we always start with a very busy mind. <clears throat> so we need to give the mind something to do. There are many different objects that the mind can focus on. But as you know, the most typical object in, in Buddhism is the breath. It's a very good object because it's always present. It's always moving. It's always changing. So we focus on the breath. <clears throat> in some traditions, they focus on the nostrils. But generally speaking, we tend to focus more on the belly, the abdomen, and the rising and falling of the breath. So we simply bring our mind to the abdomen and allow it to ride the rhythms of our natural breathing cycle. There's no need to try and breathe in a particular way in Buddhism. You just allow the breathing to be natural. And it will have a tendency to slow down over time. So let's just start by focusing on the breath. The Buddha also taught mindfulness of feelings, the subtle reaction as to if a feeling is pleasant or unpleasant and the subtle attachment or aversion which arises to that. He also taught mindfulness of other dharmas such as thoughts. And he also taught mindfulness of cessation of all phenomena, a kind of early contemplation of emptiness. When you notice the minds become identified with thought or caught in thought and you're following the train of thought in some way, then simply bring the mind back to the object. In this kind of uh, meditation or zazen, sometimes people will also label their thoughts. And Joko Beck taught a form of thought labeling, where you're having a thought such as, what am I going to have for dinner? You simply label the thought, having the thought, what am I going to have for dinner? 
And the intention of thought labeling is to free yourselves from getting pulled back into that dualistic consciousness of identifying with thoughts. And you come back to the direct experiencing of the object, of the sensations of the object. So when we're focusing on the on the breath, we're not really focusing on the body as a image, we're focusing on the, the sensations, the feeling of sensations, which are changing moment by moment. Settling the mind on an object is also called uh, shamatha practice, calm abiding practice. And it can also lead to insight or vipassana into reality. Sometimes shamatha is simply translated as stop. Otherwise, we're just stopping our usual preoccupation with the external world, our tendency to get caught in thoughts and emotions, just stopping and coming back to the object. And the stopping gives us an opportunity, it creates a gap sometimes to have a direct insight or a direct seeing. Sometimes the passion can be translated as seeing, seeing into the nature of reality. Okay, so this can if this is a very, very calming practice, a very stabilizing practice. And it's useful always to maybe um, give the mind something to do like this, when you're starting any kind of Zazen practice, it's a good way of starting the practice. However, this kind of practice does not uproot the fundamental illusion of separation, the source of our suffering. So this kind of mindfulness meditation on an object is still a form of duality. But it's a really good practice to prepare the ground for moving to our next type of Zazen. So the second kind of Zazen practice I'm calling mindfulness of the field or mindfulness of the field of all objects. So while our mind is following the breath, we allow our attention to expand and to open up and to cover all the sense doors and the flow of thoughts. So becoming aware of the sounds, 
trying opening the eyes, becoming aware of the colors and shapes. And we could call this new object the open field of all objects. We could also call this the field of the present moment or simply now. If we get caught up and identified with the thought, rather than returning to the breath, we return simply to the awareness of being here and now, the, the present field of awareness. A total 360 degree sphere of awareness. You can also try opening the eyes fully or partially and resting your gaze or your attention in space. Space is a metaphor for awareness. Awareness is not space, but space is a metaphor. It could be simply the space of the room you're sitting in. It could be the space of sitting facing the wall, as they do in Soto Zen, a blank wall. That's also useful to experiment with at times. Or it could be the space of just simply gazing into the sky during the day or night. So this type of zazen is often called open awareness or choiceless awareness. <clears throat> One Zen teacher in Japan called it opening the hand of thought. So this is where we will abide most of the time when we leave focusing on an exclusive object behind. So let's just rest in this open space, allowing awareness to be present to all the phenomena which are arising and passing moment by moment, sounds, colors, shapes, sensations, thoughts, smells. Again, this can be deeply relaxing practice. where you start to feel yourself becoming more and more spacious, more and more porous, more and more transparent. Sometimes the sense of solidity can melt away 
If you find yourself getting carried away by a thought, again, just simply come back to the resting your attention in this field of awareness of spaciousness. Just rest your gaze or rest your attention in space. So this practice is probably where once we move away from exclusively focusing on a singular object, this kind of practice tends to become where we sit most of the time. However, there is still a very, very subtle duality operating. An identification as the observer of the totality of the field of objects. So there's still a very subtle sense of duality, a subtle sense of separation of, of a, a kind of sense of me being in here and space being out there still. So we move to the third and final kind of Zazen, which we call just sitting. So this type of Zazen is effortless. Awareness of being itself. We could call it awareness of awareness or just being awareness itself or simply just being. the distinction between observer and observed, the knower and the known collapses. And there is just this. In our Zen tradition, just this is sometimes referred to as suchness or thusness. This only happens for a few moments to begin with. It is a kind of breakthrough into non-dual awareness, our natural state, which is usually obscured by subject-object duality. <coughs> Sometimes we may experience it naturally during particularly um, altered states of awareness or intensity. It could be a particularly beautiful scene or a particular beautiful experience that can throw us into this non-dual awareness where the sense of separation falls away. I'm sure you've all experienced that at certain moments in your life. But this is also something which can be cultivated in our meditation practice. It's the practice of just sitting, which Dogen advocated for. And Dogen described this practice as 
learning the backward way or taking the backward step. When we turn just to awareness around to awareness itself. Sometimes it can be experienced as a dramatic transformation, like the bottom falling out of a bucket, or Dogen's phrase was dropping off body and mind. But most of the time, it's just a more subtle, very subtle, gradual process where the thin veils of separation gradually part. And we find ourselves that we are luminous emptiness itself. Luminous emptiness is another synonym for awareness of awareness. Awareness itself is aware of itself. We could say simply resting as awareness or simply being. Since awareness itself is not an object or a thing that can be grasped, this is the end of subject and object duality. So this is our beginning and our end. Or if you want to um, go straight to the end, this is where you start. So my favorite uh, Zen koan, which is a variation of the Mu koan, simply asks the question, who is hearing? Or you could say, who is aware of seeing? Or who is aware of thoughts? Or we could say simply, who is aware? And you just take up contemplation of that question. Who? Who? Who is aware? And of course, we cannot find any object that's aware. Awareness is not an object or a thing. So it cuts through the notions of, well, Andrew is aware. Well, who is Andrew? You can't find Andrew anywhere. You can't find a person anywhere. Andrew and persons, their concepts or stories. So these inquiry type questions can drop us into a state of non-dual awareness and deepen and extend the duration of abidance in non-dual awareness. Of course, non-dual awareness is outside of space and time, and in that sense is timeless, omnipresent, and omni-knowing. Awareness itself 
is that which knows and that which is known is also awareness or if you like consciousness you can ask yourself other questions such as where is if your if your eyes are open where are the colors and shapes appearing where is the sound appearing where is the thought appearing they are appearing and disappearing in awareness so you start to get this very important distinction between appearances and awareness the distinction between appearances and our ultimate nature appearances are coming and going arising and disappearing moment by moment they are subject to the laws of cause and effect this arises and then that arises and this disappears then that arises they're interdependent they're impermanent then ask yourself the question does awareness itself disappear have you ever experienced awareness disappearing you could ask yourself does awareness have any boundaries does it have a center or is it centerless Does it have a beginning or an ending? Have you ever known or have you ever experienced awareness to begin or to end? And the similar thing, can awareness be gained or can it be lost? So another name for awareness is Buddha nature. So I will now let you contemplate this for five minutes in silence. <laughs> 